Hello, and welcome to Bachelor Therapy Hour. I'm Sarah. And I'm Joseph. And we are a pair of married mental health professionals hosting weekly therapy sessions to conceptualize all of the riveting interpersonal dynamics on each week's Bachelor franchise show. So welcome. This is our first official episode about uh, the premiere of Michelle's Bachelorette season. Woo! <laughs> We're here. We have arrived. Finally. <laughs> so before we dive in, because I know we have a lot to process today, we have a couple of announcements. Um, this is like when you see a therapist for the first time and they go over confidentiality limitations. Boring. And that's, that's so boring. cancellation policy. So we'll just get that out of the way up front. First of all, you might have noticed we have new original theme music um, created by my multi-talented brother, Phil Queller. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, PQ. <laughs> and if you're listening to us, uh, we would love if you follow the show on Spotify. If you follow the show, you'll be notified when there are new episodes. And you can also follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Batch Therapy Hour. Um, and because this is our first episode of the season, we'll just briefly review the disclaimer that we kind of discussed in our last episode, which is that we have never met any of the people on the show. That might be a good thing. I mean, you got a, <laughs> you got that, uh, video from Ed, but that's about it. That's true. Yeah. I've, uh, a cameo. <laughs> I have received a cameo from Ed, but I've never met anybody on Michelle's season. That means ethically we cannot diagnose them with any mental conditions or disorders. As much as we want to. <laughs> as much as we may be tempted to. Um, so we're just um kind of speculating about um how we might conceptualize some of the people on these shows what um psychological principles or dynamics may be coming into play as we watch things um unfold and we also know that what we're seeing is edited down and um, assembled in a way to be narratively compelling so um, we don't want to make too many assumptions about people based on um you know the few minutes of tv that we we see. But um, all that being said, we're still going to overanalyze it to death because that's the fun part. Yep. <laughs> um, so before we uh, dive in, it's about 24 hours or so after we uh, press play on the first episode. So Joseph, how are you feeling? Yeah, I think it, uh, it was an interesting start already. Mm. Um, yeah, the uh, the notes thing was... I don't... I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> well, we'll get there because I think we will come up with things to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the ice cream guy. Yes. Ice cream truck, Ryan. Um, all right. So let's dive in. So what we learned about Michelle from her intro package is essentially boiled down to three components. One, she's a teacher. Two, she played basketball growing up and in college. And three... Her parents have a loving relationship that she wants to emulate. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much all that we know about her. And she's from Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that being said, um, actually, we watched the show last night with friends of ours, um, Carrie and Nick. And Carrie herself is an elementary school teacher. And uh, we asked her, like, <laughs> if you were the lead on the show, would you want all of these guys, like... I don't know, invoking your job so much, right? Uh, like, I thought you were going to say, like, making out with, like, 30 dudes. Yeah, well, we did ask that, too. Would yeah. you want your students to see you uh, make out with 30 guys on Carrie TV? said yes. 
She said no. Um, <laughs> um, but our question was, um, you know, a lot of the guys were kind of invoking Michelle's profession, maybe because that's the only thing they really knew about her. So, yep. Yep. and her time as a collegiate athlete. So pretty much like I would say, oh gosh, at least half of the intros were some, um, some like allusion to teaching. One guy, Rodney, was literally dressed up as an apple. Um, a lot of people made basketball jokes. So my question to you to kick us off tonight is if you were to go on the show as the lead, as a therapist or psychologist, what gimmicky limo exits mm -hmm. do you think people would have? Yeah. Um, I think maybe uh, there would be somebody that's like, has their head cut out and like a couch that's like moves <laughs> that's oh, like motorized gosh. or something kind of like the <laughs> i don't know what that was guy in a in the table with all the food and yeah i, don't know I think what his that name was. was rick oh yeah rick mm -hmm. yeah yeah i imagine there would be a lot of just like shawls cardigans um but just like some weird pickup lines about like I want to develop a complex about you yeah, or like something or like I'm this. afraid I'm falling in love with you. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can we never use that on me? Um, um, what's your overall impression of Michelle's uh, batch of dudes? Yeah, I mean, I think they're older than mm -hmm. um, a lot of, well, at least the uh, seasons that I've seen. So they're much older. Um, you know, they have more, more well-established jobs, more mm. well-established identities, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. But shockingly, they didn't come off as that mature. At yeah. least um, that was my impression. And um, <laughs> so that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, they all look physically older, um, but the level of maturity didn't seem to be that much different than what we're, yeah. you know, we're usually see. Yeah. And I think so Michelle is 28. Um so by bachelor standards, like <laughs> an old maid. Um, <laughs> and so they did cast her, I think, age appropriate men. So I think maybe the youngest guy was maybe like 25. And then we had men into, I want to say they were one or two in their 40s. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, an older crop. But I think uh, what you would expect to be a more mature um, group based on life experience. But we'll see if that actually bears out. Um, so I think something that we talked about offline that we definitely want to get into is the power of the primacy effect. Do you want to start there? Yeah, we can okay. start there. All right. So let's get into it. I want to define, um, what the primacy effect is for everyone who's listening. Um, this is a kind of a social psychology phenomenon, um, that has a lot of implications, um, that we can get into. So here's the APA. That's the American Psychological Association. Um, the dictionary of psychology definition, the primacy effect is the tendency for facts, impressions, or items that are presented first, to be better learned or remembered than material presented later in the sequence. Mm -hmm. This effect can occur in both formal learning situations and social contexts. Mm -hmm. For example, it can result in a first impression bias in which the first information gained about a person has an inordinate influence on later impressions and evaluations of that person. And this is also called the law or principle of primacy. Yeah. So there are a couple of ways that this plays out. Um, and I know, 
uh, you looked into some other related phenomena as well that we'll um, segue into in a minute. Yes. Um, so one thing that I think is fascinating every season is um, who is given the first limo exit. Now, we don't know if the first limo exit is shown to us sequentially in the way that it played out or if they're edited around so that we as the audience have the benefit of the primacy effect. Yes. So that's kind of an interesting um, facet that I hadn't really thought about. But I do know, um, I'm sure that producers and people who work on the show are aware of some of these social phenomena, right? So they are going to put out someone first who they think is going to be a, a good contender. Um, Obviously, they want Michelle to have a good experience, but they also want to maybe prime her for people who they think will be a good match because ultimately the goal of the show is to get two people engaged. So they do want people to actually hit it off. Um, And then um, as viewers, we also are primed to remember whoever exits the limo first. Now, the first person to come out of the limo is a man named Nate. Um, for people who are going to look this up. With the Y. <laughs> yeah, it's spelled y. N-A-Y-T-E, so um, if you're going to look it up. First of all, Nate is six foot eight. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, talk about a first impression. That is, I've never met anyone that tall in my life. Um, I'm someone who rounds up to five foot one. <laughs> like, on a generous day, I, I'll round it up. Um so imagining someone who's six foot eight is like, wow, that is someone who would definitely make an impression on me. Um, from his official ABC bio, it says, <laughs> when you walk into a room, it's hard not to notice Nate. He has a smile that sparkles like the stars. He is always the life of the party. And to boot, he is a six foot eight inch Adonis of a man. <laughs> I mean, he is the size of the room, so it's kind of hard not to see him. His fun facts are Nate dreams of visiting the Taj Mahal. Cool. Would he fit in there is the question. (laughs) Oh, my God. Nate can't can't dance to save his life. Um, That's that's not great. That's sad. Um, And Nate likes edible arrangements. Oh, I thought you were going to say edibles, but that's (laughs) cool, Nate likes arrangements with edibles. (laughs) So um, what's interesting is... He's the first person out of the limo. So this is the first person that um, Michelle has the chance to meet and, I guess, learn about. To the first person who makes the first impression. Now, the other thing that we were going to talk about anyway as part of the primacy effect also is the impact of the first impression rose. Mm-hmm. So the first impression rose, um, for those who are new to Bachelor Nation, is at the end of night one, after Michelle has met all of the men, she gives a rose to the guy who has made the best first impression. Now, this may seem trivial. However, let's review a couple of the previous first impression rose um, recipients. Oh, man, she did her research. This is my bachelor research here. (laughs) I am a scientist after all. Um, (laughs) So what are we going to find out here? All right, this is wild, actually. Wait, what was your hypothesis before looking at yeah, this Yeah, so my this hypothesis was that somebody who 
whoever the lead gives the first impression rose to, that person is going to make it very far. Okay. Um, A, because of the impact of the primacy effect that that person, she's going to remember that person Mm -hmm. um, and have that lingering just, oh, I remember I had a good feeling about this person, which can go pretty far in a context where you're meeting so many people at once and it's kind of overwhelming. So if you remember like, oh, I singled that person out because I hit it off with them, I think that, you know, really yeah. can have be a powerful uh, um, impact. And then also um, that this is related to our conversation last week about the hindsight bias that later down the road, you're going to give the benefit of the doubt to whoever got that first impression, Rose, because you want to feel like I can trust my gut in this process. Right. And so you're going to have some confirmation bias there where you're going to be looking to connect with the person you gave the first impression rose to. So I think there are a lot of kind of social um, factors at play there. So that's my hypothesis. Now, let's see how this bears out in the data. This is actually shocking. Okay, so let's go back. Season 10, Andy Dorfman gives her first impression rose to Nick Vial. Nick Vial ends up being the runner up. He becomes The Bachelor. Caitlin Bristow gives her first impression rose to Sean Booth. Sean Booth wins the season. They get engaged. JoJo gives her first impression rose to Jordan Rogers. He wins. They get engaged. They're still engaged. Is that brother of Aaron Rodgers? Yes, sir. Okay. (laughs) Rachel Lindsay gives her first impression impression rose to Brian Abasolo. He wins the season. They're married now. (laughs) Becca Kufrin (laughs) gives her first impression rose to Garrett Irigoyen. They get engaged. He wins the season. They remained engaged for a number of years. Um... Hannah Brown, yikes, gave her first impression rose to Luke P, um, who did make it very, very, very far, um, unfortunately. That one was pretty misguided. And then, um, you know, Katie this season gave, um, Blake was not there night one, so she didn't have the opportunity to give him the first impression rose. She gave it to Greg, who was essentially the runner-up. Everyone thought that she was most invested in. And then the kicker, the ultimate most (laughs) egregious <laughs> um like misinterpretation of the first or privacy effect like the example of someone going so all in on this is of course claire crawley gave oh, the first man. impression rose to dale moth and was so convinced of her um you know how sure she was in that first impression that she just said, when you know, you know, I know, and shut down the entire season, called it off, got engaged to him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So this is an incredible phenomenon in this universe. Yeah. I mean, either you are top three or top two or, you know, winner. And many of them yeah. are still together. Yeah. Still together based on that first impression. So now let's combine these things. So we talked about first person out the limo is Nate. And then the first impression rose, right? That's kind of the primacy effect for the season, like who she's, um, yeah, you know, so we investing can, in. Based on the the pattern here, we can assume that Nate with the Y is. Well, we haven't get, given the big reveal here. Nate gets the first impression rose as oh, well. Oh yeah, sorry, I just right. So, like, <laughs> so Nate not only is yeah. the first person out of the limo. So again, primacy effect. She's he's the first person that she interacts with, and then she gives him the first impression rose. Yeah, there's and, two like. Wow, I mean, yeah. 
like we can call off the season right now, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I don't know. I'm not convinced he's going to be the winner. I am not convinced, but I would be shocked if he didn't make it very far. Yeah, I think he'll be like maybe top three. Yeah. Yeah. I would be very surprised if he didn't make it to, um, yeah, at least like hometowns, um, which yeah. would be the top four. Um, wow. Okay, so I know you did some um, research on some related phenomena. What do you got? Yeah, I guess um, another kind of <laughs> psychological um, phenomenon is the halo effect that I think mm-hmm. might be um, important to consider here. And um, that is, you know, taking a one characteristic, one positive trait of somebody and extrapolating and, and inferring that, you know, this person has <clears throat> more positive traits like intelligence or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, uh, hey, Owen. Owen's saying <laughs> hello to everybody. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like kindness and honesty. So, you know, I guess we can, with that idea, just kind of think about Michelle. You know, maybe some of the people she sees as more attractive uh, Mm -hmm. early on might kind of lead to this halo effect where, you know, if she sees them as attractive, then she might infer certain qualities. um, Like they're, you know, intelligent, they're, they're honest, they're genuine. And then that can kind of further the attraction, which may or may not be based on actual reality. Right. And there are a lot of studies, too, that people who are seen as more attractive are often seen seen as being more competent. Yep. And interestingly, sure. one of those factors that comes up a lot in this research is height. Yes. Which is, again, related oh, yes. to yep. me, right? That men who are taller are seen as being more yeah. competent, more, um, like, better leaders. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's interesting, too. They're seen as kind of more stable stronger yep um yep for sure yeah and i guess the kind of the opposite of the halo effect is the horn effect or the reverse halo effect and it's kind of taking one negative trait and then kind of inferring more negative traits so you know Mm -hmm. if there's any indications to to michelle that you know someone is well dishonest or you know has created this notebook of a bunch of notes which is so yeah um kind of odd and inferring more negative traits, like I can't trust this person, or I, yeah. this person is unkind, or this person is not intelligent. Yeah, okay, that's a perfect entry point to talk about this bizarre note um, scandal that comes up in uh, Michelle's first night. So we meet Ryan, he's a 30-year-old environmental consultant from San Jose, California. Um, according to his bachelor bio, um, Ryan is obsessed with ice cream trucks. He does come out of an ice cream truck instead of a limousine, so that um, checks out. Ryan loves, all caps, spreadsheets. Well, that comes back to haunt him. And Ryan is enthusiastic <laughs> about cuddling. Well, he didn't make it far enough for us yeah, to see that quality. No cuddling. <laughs> so Ryan does this bizarre um, thing where... He prepares to go on the show by compiling a bunch of notes that he claims he and his sister-in-law put together. (sighs) He doesn't keep his story straight very well. I have a lot of trouble believing him. (laughs) Yeah. Do you you think he wrote them all or... Uh, My guess would be yes. (laughs) 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 But, you know... 
I guess there was that that odd one where it's like, don't be yourself. Be like, put on a yeah, that you was know, pretty act funny. nice and act <laughs> genuine when in fact you're not. So maybe he didn't write them all. I don't know. That would be a really odd thing to write about yourself. Yeah, and so something that happens over the course of the episode is that the hosts, um, Tasha and um, Caitlin, I was about to say Tasha and Claire. Um, for whatever reason, decide to go through the different men's rooms and, again, infer a and, lot of... In room raider fashion. Exactly. Very reminiscent of old school room raiders, but without the At least the they, didn't have the, yeah, they didn't have the black lights. That might <laughs> oh, the black been, light. That's yeah, what yeah. Might have been pretty bad. <laughs> and um, decide that they can, again, extrapolate a lot of information. So... Caitlin's like, you know, you learn a lot about people by how they arrange their room, which, um, what do you think about that assumption? <laughs> Is that a question for yeah. me? <laughs> um, you can tell a lot by people's rooms and how they mm -hmm. have it set up. Uh, I mean, there might be something to that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't really, uh, that wouldn't be great for me, but. <laughs> I was going to say, I felt personally attacked by that because. Um, our bedroom's pretty messy, yes. <laughs> and I wouldn't want people to infer that I'm yes. like a disorganized person. Oh, well, from I, that, I'm I'm a little disorganized. <laughs> I think it, it's, it's just sometimes you have to put your energies into different, you know. Anyway, so they find the this like <laughs> stack of notes that Ryan has compiled about how to make it far on the show, um, how to kind of make a good first impression things that Michelle might like, qualities about Michelle, um, who to kind of emulate from previous seasons wasn't in order to some, make it far. Wasn't there something like, act like you are interested in teaching? Yes. <laughs> I think that was the bullet point that really like... Well, I mean, actually, that is actually in line with one of the principles of of attraction um you know kind of the main five one of them is uh similarity or mm -hmm. shared interest and so if you show interest um well in this case it would have been um disingenuous but yeah that's one way to do it <laughs> yeah so we'll come back to the horn effect but yeah let's pause there what are the five um facets that you're talking about there yeah so um when it comes to attraction, you know, through uh, social psychology, there's been a lot of studies and, and looking about at what, you know, increases attraction and or, you know, what contributes to attraction. And mm -hmm. one obvious one is physical attractiveness. The other, mm -hmm. Another one is uh, proximity. So you're more likely to find people you're around attractive, which that makes sense. I, I obviously, you know, dating apps have kind of thrown a wrench in things, but mm. um yeah, that's kind of another one. And then similarity, you know, sharing similar values and interests, um, you know, religion, um, education, things like that. And then uh, reciprocity is another one where, you know, you give something to somebody, they're more likely to give something back. And, mm -hmm. you know, people like people who are giving and people are more willing to give back. So those are kind of the main ones. Um, and um, another one that is often not talked about as much, or it's kind of a, a, a side, uh, kind of related is this idea that um, if you experience stress or anxiety around somebody, um, there can be a misattribution of, uh, of arousal. So, mm. um, yeah. you know, there is that famous study, um, a social psychology study, Dudden and Aaron, you know, they did the, the bridge study where men who our participants would walk over a bridge and they would have mm -hmm. like an attractive um, confederate at the end of the bridge and um, 
so the idea was when they're walking over either a really high suspension bridge or versus one that's like much lower and not as dangerous, mm-hmm. you know, they would they would see, they would give the the participants the phone number of this confederate and saying like, hey, you know, they're going to do a, a survey at the end, ask you some questions. And they looked at how many times people called the confederate after the suspension bridge versus, <laughs> um, you know, the kind of the less dangerous, you know, kind of flat bridge. And yeah, they found that uh, the participants were way more likely to call the, the confederate. And it was the same confederate. So... To um, clarify for people who aren't familiar with research, we don't mean like from the Confederacy. Oh, yes. <laughs> someone who was involved in the study. Yeah, someone yeah. like a researcher yeah. who was involved with the study, not yeah. someone from... So the takeaway here is if you want someone to find you attractive, take him on a, on a date where, you know, there's some stress a or anxiety thrill. involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a roller coaster or mm-hmm. a scary movie or... Um, and that is also like Halloween's coming up, you know, haunted houses. You <laughs> yeah. Know, like yeah. real haunted houses. Like our house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll just start hosting couples yeah, retreats here. We should do that here. Um Yeah, and this is another principle that you can tell that uh, reality TV producers are familiar with. Um, And you see that a lot on The Bachelor, that they expedite the bonding process between people by putting them in scary, thrilling situations. Mm -hmm. So you see them bungee jumping. Or you know if a contestant says, like, I'm game for everything except I'm terrified of... Heights. Yeah. You know and that they're going to go, go on a date where yep. they are put in a situation where they are high above the ground so that Whoa. they can rely on the other person for comfort. And yeah. um, I just had a memory of Matt's season um, with Rachel <laughs> slamming into the ground. Yeah. That, that actually got a little too real. Um, yeah. And you know what? They're still together. And they're together. still together. So there you go. <laughs> And I think actually there was a an interview with him right after in the episode where he said like seeing her fall, like seeing her in oh, danger yeah. made me realize how much I cared for her. That is the power of Wow. Yeah. The scary sexy bridge phenomenon. Yes. Um Yes. So going back to the five facets, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like two people who are spending all their time studying the same material in the same place, who live in the same place and are in the same program, may have a good chance mm. of ending up married. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I feel duped. <laughs> yeah. I guess one of the um, one that I, I, I kind of missed is this idea that um, people end up with people of similar attractiveness level. And so mm. I guess from that, mm-hmm. who do you think kind of falls of the, you know, the, the, the men who stood out in this first episode, who do you think kind of matches um, mm. with Michelle's level of attractiveness? And, you know, there might be some that are more attractive. And I'm wondering if, if, that, if, if that is the case, I wonder if, she would choose them versus someone who might fall kind might of feel more comfortable. Yeah, might feel more comfortable. Like that's kind of more consistent with her level of attractiveness. Um, and, and this is called the matching hypothesis, where you know mm-hmm. pe- we tend to pick people who, of, of similar attractiveness level. Yeah. Well, I think that Michelle is absolutely stunning, but I also think that with everyone, um, and this comes to like what we've been talking about earlier. Um, their personality has a great effect yep. on, you know, how we perceive them in terms of their level of attractiveness. Like you could be the most 
beautiful person on earth but if you're really unpleasant to be around you're still not going to be particularly attractive yeah. the halo effect can only go so far right so maybe if you see a photo of them you may be like wow but if you meet them and you feel like Ugh, this person's exhausting to be around or this person you know is unpleasant to be around that's going to you know um affect how you know how you perceive them yeah so i think michelle is absolutely physically stunning um, and she also has a really, really amazing personality, it seems. I mean, mm-hmm. we said we don't know much about her, but we can tell she is really easygoing. She's really passionate about, um, you know, good things, right? She's passionate about <laughs> She's helping passionate people. She's passionate about the good. Um, <laughs> it was not very eloquent, but... Um, no, I get what you're saying. <laughs> and... Um, she seems very generous. She seems intelligent. So all of those things impact how you feel when you're around her, which has a lot to do with, I think the halo effect can kind of bring you into someone like, ooh. Yes. But then it's like, how do you feel when you're with them? Yeah. Um, and that's a big part of, you know, when we talked in our preview episode about our theoretical orientations from an interpersonal perspective, which is where I practice from, we think a lot about how does the client make us feel and that's pretty probably representative of how they make other people feel in interaction so if you're sitting with someone and you feel like oh man this person is just like i'm really frustrated by them or you know i'm really exhausted by them um and that's not necessarily like you know we don't mean that to be like stigmatizing that is representative of how they may be suffering because it may be more difficult for them to engage in meaningful relationships if people are feeling those emotions when they're with them Mm -hmm. um and so we you know try to um help people to gain insight into their interpersonal patterns um and how you know their behavior is impacting other people and how that yeah. makes them feel and yeah. a lot of times like things like depression or anxiety come out of this like astute perception that like oh when i'm around people they um they seem uncomfortable or you know something like that so um all of that to say i guess um there were a couple people that it seemed like michelle vibed with more easily and I think those are going to be the people that she gravitates towards because you um, you do want to feel like comfortable and easy with someone. And sometimes when someone is so, you know, in colloquial terms, like when I felt like someone's so out of my league, it's exciting, right? Because as you were saying, like there's that anxiety that you feel when you're around them in a way that can be misconstrued as like attraction. But ultimately, you want someone that you feel like you can be yourself around, that you're not nervous around all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a long tangent. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to go back to the idea of um, proximity and, you know, we're more likely to be attracted to or fall in love with people who are, you know, geographically close to us. Um, and there's kind of one explanation for that is it's called the mere exposure effect. And that's just, you're more likely to, um, kind of like, or be attracted to someone who you constantly encounter. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we can kind of shift that to thinking about the show and who they show more or give more Mm -hmm. airtime to. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's maybe what's playing out in, you know, the, the opinions of the audience, you know, we see certain people over and over again, 
um, and we might either come to really like them or probably mm-hmm. come to really not like them. But because um, there's always, you know, people that make it to the end or closer to the end, and you're like, what? Who are you know who? Yeah. How did they? What? Yeah, How are they, they here? Kind of slid under the yeah, and, there. And, and those people <laughs> never. I mean, at least what I've seen, they never are in the top three or whatever. Right. Or, you know, so right. um, I think there's something to that to kind of keep your eye out is, you know, if someone's being shown over and over again, it's either, you know, not for good. It's, it could be for good or, or not so good. So mm-hmm. um, just another kind of taking one of the principles and kind of applying it to the audience's perspective. Yeah. And going back to, and this all started from a discussion of the horn effect in relation to Ryan. So yeah. um, going back to that, so what ends up happening is Ryan, um, Michelle discovers these notes. She doesn't discover them. She is shown them by <laughs> Tasha and Caitlin. Um, and she infers essentially from reading these notes that um, Ryan is someone who is dishonest. He's someone who is conniving. He's someone who's... Um, not here for the right reasons <laughs> in bachelor parlance. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's you hear that often, and that's a those are some strong words in bachelor nation. Yes, and you know it makes a lot of sense because she's just met this person, right? So she really knows nothing else about him. So I think that's kind of an interesting piece of when we are kind of putting in combination like primacy effect and horn effect or something like that because... Or the halo effect. Or halo effect, right. Um, She's just met this person and basically the first thing she's learning about him is, um, well, he has this binder detailing how to um, game the system. Yeah. And so when that's the first thing you learn about someone, um, you could see how you would extrapolate from there because you have no other data to refute that. Yep. And you could see how, you know, you would say, you know what, I'm not, it's not worth getting to know them more than that. That's all I need to know. Yeah. The ice cream was not strong enough to overcome that, I guess. Right. The only other thing she knew about him is that he liked ice cream, which yeah. many people like ice cream. So, yep. um, but what I think is interesting about this is um, in addition to that, Ryan's notes represent this um, trope that keeps coming up in the past couple of seasons. We saw it in Paradise, we saw it on Katie's season with Thomas, where it's like everyone is on the show, I don't want to say with an agenda, but you know how the show operates, you kind of have an idea of like, you know, I probably, <laughs> I hope to get a good edit. Um, you know that your chances of getting engaged to the lead are pretty low, like one in 30. So you're like, you know what? I just want to like up my exposure, have a good time, etc. But to even come close to acknowledging that is a total taboo in this universe. You cannot like make the unspoken spoken. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm wondering what you think about that. Hmm. You have no thoughts. I'm just trying to <laughs> gather my thoughts here. You just sprung a question on me I wasn't ready for. Can you rephrase that in another way? So what do you think about the fact that there are certain, I think, 
beats that everybody knows. You know, if you come in, you could do well. Um, you can, the person who goes pretty far may become the next bachelor. If yeah. I do okay, yeah. I may gain some social media um, followers. I may get some money out of it. Mm -hmm. um, all of these benefits that are completely fine and everyone is aware of, right? Yeah. Yeah. But when you acknowledge them at all, you're suddenly villainous. You're there for the wrong reasons because you are supposed to be entirely pure of heart. And the only reason that you are there is to marry yeah. Michelle. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> and you sort of kind of ask it, like, what is my reaction to mm -hmm. that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of, well, therapy and how when with clients from an interpersonal perspective, you might, you know, make some process comments, things that are going on in the room, you know, that in regular conversation outside of therapy aren't, made you know mm -hmm. it's just kind of mm -hmm. you're commenting on like the norms the processes that are going you know that the norms of the situation the processes that you mm -hmm. know that are going on um mm -hmm. that most people aren't used to and so mm -hmm. by doing that it becomes really well it almost it violates you know people's right. expectations of you know what interactions with other people are and um yeah, it's really uncomfortable and so I guess when it comes to, you know, on the show, not only is it that, but also there's kind of this all or nothing thinking of, you know, if there's any acknowledgement of that, you're here for, well, going back, you're here for the wrong <laughs> reasons. And so there, somehow you can't acknowledge some of this and also be there for the right reasons at the same time. Like mm -hmm. it's either kind of one or the other. Right. Um, and so that's really, well, it's very black and white and, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, um, well, it's not really helpful, but it's definitely the culture so far in, in the show. Yeah. And it seems like it's this like unforgivable sin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's blasphemy. Yeah. That if you acknowledge that there may be other benefits other than getting married to Michelle, that, <laughs> you yeah. know, it may be advantageous for your career it may just be a fun time. It may be something to do. <laughs> um, it may be, you know, it could be an avenue to future, you know, another um, reality show or, you know, involvement in the Bachelor universe, like Bachelor in Paradise or yep. becoming the Bachelor. Mm -hmm. um, that is all part of the process and the pipeline of this ecosystem. And yet it is a sin to name it as such which i think is so interesting um i mean i do think that ryan went way too far his notes were like bizarrely specific and i did i do feel like perhaps what michelle was reacting to more than here's some tips about how to come off well on the show really she was reacting to the fact that it seemed um it seemed like he wasn't being genuine. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, okay, hide these facets of yourself because they're not going to seem appealing. Um, I think that's what she was really reacting <laughs> yeah. to. Which Even is though most people do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Impression management is a real thing. That's true. Right. Impression management Impression is a real thing. And even in yeah. our psychological tests we use, we often you know, tr point. try to, to assess that. You know, how much is this person potentially not revealing things that most people would reveal about themselves. Like, right. you know, I've, you know, I've, uh, 
I've littered once, <laughs> you know, something like that. It's mm-hmm. like most people have thrown something outside of a trash can, mm-hmm. whether on purpose or on accident. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like that. Yeah. And it's interesting because impression management um, in some ways can go both ways. So sometimes yep. we see people who mm-hmm. present themselves as overly virtuous. Yep. Um, and again, as Joseph just said, like don't admit to things that anyone <laughs> that are just normal human behaviors exactly. because they're trying to come off, um, come off well. And we do see that like a lot. Like I've never lied. You know, we've all lied. Right, right. And we see that a lot in assessments where someone's being assessed with where there are really, um, really impactful real world consequences. So when someone yeah. is being evaluated for their fitness to parent or... Um, you know, in a forensic setting or something like that, you could see how someone might be motivated to present themselves yeah. as more uh, law-abiding, more virtuous well, yeah. than they are. Yeah. But that's, um, we do have validity skills. Don't worry, everybody. So we can pick up when someone is doing that. That's how we know that. Um, but on the other hand, too, sometimes people who are suffering will um, kind of go in the other extreme while they're, where they will exaggerate um, their symptoms um, as a cry for help. And that's um, that's really clinically useful too, that like, you know, this person is reporting either amount of symptoms or severity of symptoms that is so beyond what we see, you know, even normed for a clinical population. What that tells us is this person is really saying like, I'm in distress, I need help. Um, or trying to, you know, make themselves look more worse off. Mm-hmm. for maybe some gain or maybe yeah. not some gain but right yeah and sometimes that does happen too with malingering of yeah um to try to get services or you know something like that yeah but i think impression management management is also um very important to consider when you're trying to win the affection of somebody mm-hmm. um you know you're put your <laughs> your best foot forward and you know try to not say something stupid or mm-hmm. um you know, controversial (laughs) or, you know, put your best clothes on, make sure there's no holes in them, make sure they're clean, things like that. (laughs) You know, even when you're meeting that. the bar is so low for men. (laughs) Put on a shirt without holes on. (laughs) Impression management. (laughs) Yes. You know, when you're meeting the parents of your partner or potential partner Mm -hmm. or, you know, that's, you know, it it may even be intensified there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true, right? Like you're trying to present a, um, an appealing version of yourself, but you're also not trying to like hide the whole facets of your personality <laughs> and be dishonest, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But actually, that does, you know, lead me to something that I felt that I didn't expect to feel as I was watching this. I felt a lot of empathy for Ryan in terms of um, having a script when you have social anxiety. Like, I think it's very, very relatable. He took it to the extreme, right? But I think it's relatable that when you're in a new environment or you're in a stressful situation that you, we all create social scripts for ourselves. Yeah. And um, I know, you know, I can (laughs) give a personal example. I remember when I was, um, before we officially were together and I wanted to talk to you or something, I would plan out in my head, like, a reason to call. And, you know, you can, you know, you kind of script out, like, what yeah. you're going to say because mm-hmm. it's so anxiety-provoking yeah. that you create this script for yourself. And I think that's really relatable. Or, you yeah. know, 
when I'm in this social situation, here are my talking points. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, and I think we all do that. Um, and mm-hmm. we all have kind of mental scripts too for what's expected for certain situations. Yeah. Um, yeah, that can be taken to the extreme, you know, people who go on to meet criteria for social anxiety disorder or social mm-hmm. phobia, mm-hmm. Um, it might become like in all areas of their life, they have scripts and, you know, literal scripts, like right. pages printed out with text and, mm-hmm. you know, in a presentation, they'll maybe just read from an entire script and not give themselves the opportunity to you know, be criticized or be judged. That's ultimately the fear, right? Is, you, right. you know, they're going to be embarrassed, they're going to be criticized. And um, yeah, it does make sense why you would do that. But ultimately, um, it can really hurt how, you know, people perceive your genuineness. Um, you might mm-hmm. be seen as cold or, you know, robotic or mechanical in some way, mechanical. Yeah. And I think also there there's a mismatch because Michelle... Um, did say that what she was looking for in a partner was someone who was open and honest and vulnerable and that is not compatible with someone who is writing out notes for how to I mean, behave around the, her the so, toast what was it to be to open no to vulnerable yeah I what it, it was, was some combination of those <laughs> yeah it was, some, it was something like that yeah so i mean fundamentally those people do not seem well suited for each other so i yeah. don't think it's you know a huge loss that he was sent home yeah um but yeah that was a really interesting kind of illustration of inferring a lot from you know limited data on someone um also our kind of thoughts on you know maybe he is socially anxious and that was a way that he was trying to manage his anxiety to be in a new situation yeah um but i also think it's fair for her to say you know like this is just I have 29 other guys here. Why bother yeah. dealing with this? Yeah, I think it's easy to, to just kind of jump to a conclusions that, you know, he's kind of a slimy, kind of dishonest person. And, um, you know, maybe the show even tried to make it look like that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you, you make a good point is, you know, maybe there is something to, you know, his motivation being, you know, he's anxious and mm-hmm. just needed something to kind of, you know, go off of so that, you know, there's no room for error or, you know, judgment or criticism mm-hmm. or embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I may switch topics, I think a segment that we are um, going to do on this show is do a therapy count. So every time that therapy is mentioned on the episode, we will um, briefly talk about that. Um, and we're really, really encouraged that it seems like Michelle is a big proponent of therapy. Um, so we had our first um therapy shout out in this episode um with joe so joe is a 28 year old real estate developer from minneapolis minnesota so similarity there yes right a lot of similarity when you were talking about similarity and proximity so he is from the same place as michelle yep he also played um college basketball the university of minnesota yep um, so they have a, they do have a lot in common. Um, also racial, similar racial backgrounds. Yeah. I think they both have, they're both biracial. Yes. They, um, they both may, I think, cause he had an intro package. Is that how we figured that out? Anyway. Um, so yeah, so similar, um, family backgrounds and, um, his fun facts on his bio are Joe is scared of spiders. Same. Joe loves snacks. 
Same. I have a lot of similarities with Joe. And <laughs> Joe wants to travel to the Galapagos Islands one day. I mean, same. Um, <laughs> so interestingly, speaking of also these kind of some primacy effect or something here, um, Michelle recognizes Joe when he slid exits into the limit DMs. because she they had talked before the show. Wait, she slid into his DMs. She slid Sorry. into his DMs. Go. I think wow. that is important to her reaction to what unfolds. Yeah. Um, so obviously there had been something she had been, a, you know, attracted to those similarities, um, you know, before even knowing that he would be on the show. And she confronts Joe because according to her telling of this story, they had been DMing and he ghosted her. Now I'm using that language because Michelle used that language. I take some issue with the idea that, like, letting a DM conversation with someone you've never met fade out is ghosting. <laughs> um, yeah, you would think, I mean, you know, I've had clients kind of mention that, you know, uh, being ghosted. And, um, yeah, I've kind of heard it where it's just you're kind of talking and then, there's you know, the conversation stops and then, yeah, they feel ghosted. But... I don't know. Something feels kind of off about that. Definite, like defining it in that way. It seems like, you know, actually having you know in-person contact or something, or going on a date, or right. then if then they don't respond after that, then that feels a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Like you're being ghosted. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we don't know the extent of their conversation, like how often they were talking yeah, true. and how much, true. how for how long, and what were they were talking about too. I right, mean, right. they kind of talked about some superficial topics like i think they were talking about basketball or something mm -hmm. but yeah who knows right i think that's different from going on a few dates with a person and then getting no explanation when they just stop returning your texts yeah um i think it's pretty common nature to lose interest in someone you've never met um but anyway that aside she kind of confronts him about that um and he says you know i i'm I was going through a really hard time at the time. Um, this, he says that he was working very close to um, where George Floyd was murdered and that that was really um, traumatic for him. Um, I'm paraphrasing, so I don't know if he, I can't remember if he specifically used the word traumatic, but, you know, distressing, upsetting, yeah. of course. I think he said, like, upsetting or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course. And, um, and that he went through a really hard time and... Um, Michelle's reaction was interesting because she kind of said like, well, you know, I was going through the same thing. You could have talked to me about it. It's like she didn't really take his explanation. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah. She kind of hard had a little bit of a hard time believing that, I think. Yeah. On some level, she believed it. Like, obviously, you know, that shared experience, which she can tap into. But I get there looks like there's another part of her that... A little like, hmm. Yeah, I guess I take issue with the expectation that you have to share yeah. something that you're really struggling with with someone you've never even met that you're yeah. just DMing. You know, I think it's fair to have boundaries in that way of like this. I'm going through a really hard time. I don't necessarily owe this person I've never met an explanation for why I'm just not ready to continue like talking over. But when you're on the bachelorette, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> kind and of so, kind of forced. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I absolutely understand that, like, 
Michelle is kind of thinking like, well, I was going through the same thing. We could have connected there or we could have supported each other through that. So I absolutely understand her reaction. I think it's kind of problematic to think like if you're going through something mental health wise, you're expected to tell everybody about it. Like, you know, um, I don't know. I think that should be a personal decision of how much you're willing to share and with whom um, and depending on the closeness of your relationship. Um, so there probably wasn't enough time for that level of <laughs> nuance. And, and anyway, so, he, so Joe says, um, or Michelle asked Joe, like, how do I know that I can trust you now? Um, and I think that's also where it, it comes into play that she slid into the DMs because obviously that's a really vulnerable thing to do. And so I think it feels probably more rejecting when you mm-hmm. kind of initiated it and yep. then, um, Yep. It fades out. So perhaps that's kind of what she's reacting to. Yep. Um, and Joe says, you know, I'm in a much better place now and I went to therapy. And so I feel like I'm ready to be in a relationship. Um, and to Michelle's credit, she responds really positively to this. She's kind of still a little bit miffed about the ghosting thing, it seems. But she says, you know, um, well, I'm never... She says something to the effect of like, I'm really glad that you're in therapy and um you know it's really important to show um that you know on this show even she kind of breaks the fourth wall and says you know it's really important to to show on the bachelor um that black men are going to therapy yeah um so i thought that was really powerful yeah that's great um so that's our first therapy um first therapy mention (laughs) on the show um any reactions to that yeah i think it was I think it was great to for her to point that out and mm-hmm. um, just kind of normalize, yeah. you know, going to therapy and yeah, just showing that it's something that shouldn't be stigmatized, something that, you know, maybe everyone could benefit from. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, I think it is helpful in terms of um, for her having this framing of like, well, this behavior was kind of shady, but he obviously took the initiative <laughs> to work on himself. And so that yeah. obviously gave her the level of confidence to ultimately give him a rose. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm a little skeptical. I, mean, I think there might be still a little bit of a halo effect going on there. He's very cute. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. we'll see how that plays out. And, and look like in the preview, there is some, I don't know, it looks like some... You know, preview for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. There's some men who are, are upset that somebody might have had a relationship with her beforehand, and I'm not right. sure if that's referring to him, and they find that out, or maybe it's somebody else. But um, yeah, in typical we'll in typical bachelor fashion, they were leaving that ambiguous to yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it may be, it may you know, maybe something different, maybe someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. That brings us toward the end here. Anything in specific that you're looking forward to either for next episode or for the rest of the season? Yeah. Um, I guess kind of just, they did show a little bit of, of the guy's reactions to, um, his name Rick? No. <laughs> I forget his name. The ice cream guy. Oh, Ryan. Ryan, sorry. And he was mm-hmm. with him with the R. Yeah, kind of seeing the reaction to him being let go and, you know, seeing... You know, that's pretty significant even before the, the rose ceremony, you know, like <laughs> yeah. he was dropped before. So, 
you know, she's not playing around. So yeah, <laughs> I think she's going to be pretty, you know, confident in what she wants. And I think she's going to show it. And yeah, so I think the guys might be a little on, on edge there. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more of Pardeep. Pardeep um, confirmed that he is the first ever Indian American to receive a rose on the Bachelorette, which is (laughs) super sad. Really sad it took this long. Um, But even cooler, uh, he is a neuroscientist. Um, So I'm really excited to... Uh, learn more about him. He got like zero screen time. We didn't even see his limo exit, yep. so that doesn't. Um, but he did get a he got well. a rose. So he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of his fun facts is Pardeep loves New Year's because he loves new beginnings. Hmm. Yeah, can't relate on that one. All right. Um, <laughs> but excited for that. Um, I think we're at about time. How do you feel at the end of this therapy session? Feeling good. It was great. <laughs> okay. I feel good too and I feel excited for the rest of the season I feel like um Michelle really carries the show really well we didn't really get a chance to talk about that I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about it more I'm, just, and... I'm excited to see all the activities I think I might have mentioned that last time mm-hmm. let's see let's see what they do let's see what stressful anxiety provoking um activities they they have for them yeah and i think there will be a lot for us to process on this show because michelle is emphasizing so much this idea of vulnerability i think there's going to be a lot of expectation for people to share yeah really they might have another of lives, a, so. like a pseudo group therapy yeah i expect situation. that pretty soon so yep. looking forward to talking about that yeah, for sure all right keep processing everyone all see right. you next week yep